I wanted to start with a question today, if that's all right. Here's my, here, here's my goal this morning, all right? My goal is to speak quickly and with quality, all right? Does that sound good to you guys? Quickly and quality, call it short and sweet if you want to, whatever it is, right? But my goal this morning is just for us to be able to share together, feel God move in a powerful way, and not to belabor this, all right, at all. And uh, I, I wanna ask you guys a question this morning. Have you guys ever walked into a situation before expecting one thing, but then it turned out to be something completely different? You know, you know what I mean? Like, like you, walk, you walk into something and you're thinking in your mind, like you've got it all set up that this is what it's gonna be and this is how it's gonna go down, this is what it's gonna look like and then when reality shows up and you, or you arrive and it's just something completely opposite, all right? There's these memes that I see going around online all the time, like expectation versus reality, you know what I'm talking about? Like someone sees like this delicious like dish on Pinterest and it looks beautiful and it's all perfectly arranged and they think they're gonna try and make it and it just totally fails and turns out to be complete garbage. I've done that, right? Watching the Food Network and you're like, man, that looks amazing. I can make those braised lamb chops. Like why not? It's gonna be great. And then it just doesn't work out for you, right? Expectation versus reality can be different sometimes. I pulled some memes offline today just because I found some I thought were super funny I wanted to show you. So let's throw that first one up there if we've got it. Do we have have that image, maybe? Yeah, there it is, there we go. So so this is, this is a Tweety Bird ice cream treat, all right? And on the outside, like, that looks amazing. You see Tweety, he's got gumball eyes. You're, you're all set to sink your teeth into some beautiful, like, concoction. It's gonna be amazing. And then you open it up and you get some, like, cross-eyed horror show looking back at you, right? Like, I gotta believe those gumball eyes suddenly weren't quite as delicious. And then I get another one that I found, and this one's a classic, right? Like, we've all been there. Like you want a good sweet onion teriyaki chicken flatbread from Subway and you see that photo and you get home and you open it and it looks like that, right? Expectation of what it's gonna be like in the reality when you unwrap that flatbread, not the same. Here's another one that hits really close to home for me, all right? Pumpkin carving. At Halloween, yeah, this is real. Like you see that, like I could do that. I can make that sweet little owl, put a little shading in there and then it turns out more like a demented cat or something. I'm. I'm not sure, but that's, that's what happens to me every time. We got another one here, I think. Yeah, this is a really good one for New Year's, right? Got your fitness goals, expectation, this is what I'm gonna do and what it's gonna be like in 2017. And then by like March or April, that's us, right? Just on the couch being like, oh yeah, like just snuggling with a puppy, whatever. And then one more here, I got a good, this is a life plan meme, there you go. It's like, here's my plan, right? I'm moving from point A to point B, the finish line's right there, it's gonna be great, easy and awesome. And then in reality, right, there's a ton of obstacles in the way and like, that one stings a little bit, all right? Because the memes are funny, expectation versus reality is funny, but here's the thing, is that we all know and understand, I don't care how old you are, from middle school on up, like we understand that life doesn't always turn out the way we expect it to, does it? And the expectation does not always match up with reality. The way that we think something's going to go, the way that we think something's going to happen, the way our life plan is gonna unfold and it's gonna work out, in our minds it's gonna be super straightforward and super simple and it rarely seems to turn out to be that way, all right? And I think that becomes particularly apparent this time of year at New Year's, right? Because collectively, if you're watching online or you're in this room, like, over the years of our lifespans, we've all made some pretty lofty, pretty hefty New Year's resolutions, right? And then again, by like March or April, we're just watching those like goals and aspirations just shrivel up and die over in the corner, right? Because we just didn't get there. We just, we just didn't make it, right? Expectation versus reality turned out to be completely different. And 2016, this last, just this past year, this getting a really bad rap. I don't know if you guys have been reading any of this stuff online, right? But a lot of kind of crazy stuff happened in 2016. And a lot of people were just saying like, it was just the weirdest, strangest year ever. And we couldn't wait to kind of put it in the rearview mirror. 
We elected our first ever, you know, billionaire reality TV star as president of the United States, all right? That's something that happened in 2016. And there was a lot of celebrity deaths, like Christmas Day, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, the Star Wars saga, she passed away, and the day later her mom passed away. Like, just, it was just kind of a weird, sort of bizarre year, right? A lot of things happened that no one would have ever expected or would have ever dreamed or would have ever thought were possible. Like, if you're gonna fast forward it to the first day of 2017 here, there's so many things took place that none of us would have ever expected, all right? And maybe even for you, maybe even over Christmas, this, just this past week, right? Like sometimes at Christmas, I was talking about this with some of my friends, that like we expect it to be such an awesome, magical time with family, right? And it's gonna be so perfect and everybody's coming home and then maybe like your mother-in-law totally killed the Christmas magic this year. I, I, I don't know, right? But sometimes those things just kind of tend to happen, right? And so I made up a little formula that we're gonna operate by today and I promise you we're going somewhere with this, all right? I know it's early. I know some of you guys were up late last day, but we're gonna do a little equation here, all right? This is, this is the formula that I made up for us, all right? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, is that expectation, all right, we've all got expectations, minus reality, all right, equals frustration many times, all right? Expectation minus reality equals frustration. What we're expecting something to be like, when it meets with reality, it's not what we thought, it's not as good as we thought it was gonna be, it's not as exciting, it's not as happy, it's not as healthy. When we're met with reality, those unmet expectations that are left over, when we subtract reality from our expectations, lead us to be frustrated, right? Lead us to just kind of feel like maybe we're stuck or we had all these hopes and dreams that we never quite got to, things that we never quite accomplished in 2016. And every one of us in this room, if you've, if you've lived long enough to make any memories at all, right? We've all experienced frustration due to unmet expectations. Things that we thought we wanted, things that we thought we needed, that we had to have, and it just didn't quite work out and it left us frustrated. And if you, if you know me, right, some of you guys are like, man, this is kind of like an annoying way to start the new year, right? Come on in. If you, if you know me at all, I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy, but I promise we're going somewhere, right? And I just want to explore for us today. After kind of a crazy year for some of, maybe for some of you guys, 2016 is like in your life just kind of feels like, man, it's been, it's been that year for me, right? Like I just couldn't wait to put 2016 in the rear view and move on, right? Like I'm just, I'm just so ready for a fresh start, for a clean slate, and to make some big new healthy changes this year. Then I I want to explore for us today like what we do and how we conduct ourselves when we're sort of in the middle and reeling from those unmet expectations and frustrations. And I want to look at us to, for us today to look at a passage, one of the most famous passages in the entire 66 books of the scriptures and it's found in the book of Jeremiah. So if you're following along in your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Jeremiah and keep your thumb in there. But just a little bit of backstory about Jeremiah here. Jeremiah is a prophet. He's one of the major prophets that we find in the Bible. And essentially his job was that God selected him to be his prophet, which meant that he God would literally speak through Jeremiah to the nation of Israel, which are God's chosen people, right? And if you read through the Old Testament, God had made this covenant with the people of Israel as a nation that he was going to work through them, he was going to bless them. They were sort of gonna be an example to the rest of the world of what it looked like to have a relationship with God and to walk with God. And Jeremiah had the privilege of being someone that God would literally speak through. So when he was speaking his words, they were literally words from the mouth of God and the people of Israel could take those just as a, as a, as a literal direction from God to follow to follow what he said, all right? But Jeremiah sort of comes out at a, at a kind of a, an interesting time in history for the nation of Israel, all right? And if you follow through their history through the Old Testament at all, 
they, they struggled with this whole tension, all right, of, of being God's chosen people and having this amazing opportunity to be close with God and connected with God and, and sort, of, sort of be missional and, and showing the rest of the world what it looks like to be in relationship with him. But then at the same time, they had this sort of like problem where they would just sort of lose sight of, of who God was and what he was doing for them and, and all the amazing ways that he provided for them and kept them safe over the years and, and blessed them. And, so, and then all of a sudden they would sort of start doing their own thing over here, right? And they would get distracted by some stuff that was going on in the world. And so Jeremiah shows up at a point in history when Israel has basically totally just turned their back on God, that they, they're just in this one of those like pendulum swings that you see in the Old Testament where things were good with God for a while and now they're over here and they just turn their back on him. They've forgotten everything he's done for them or they've forsaken it and things just aren't going well, right? They, they, they've basically completely reverted to idolatry and idol worship and, and just their things are messed up and they're not going well, right? And so Jeremiah gets the awesome job of being God's voice to them in these moments and he gets to show up with just some harsh truth and some harsh realities for them, right? We all, we all have that friend who just tells us like it is, right? Like, hey, listen, you might want to take it easy on the, on the Twinkies, right? Like, you know, like they're just like willing to tell you that the truth stings a little bit. And so Jeremiah gets to show up and say, guys, listen, if you don't stop, if you don't get it right, this isn't going to end well for you. The path that you're on is unhealthy, right? And the people, they just don't want to hear it. For 40 years, 40 years, Jeremiah is one of God's prophets, and he just keeps basically repeating the same message in different ways, saying, guys, we need to turn back to God. We need to make this right. We need to stop doing all these things that God has asked us to do, not, because, not just because God doesn't want us to do it, because he knows what's good for us, right? God's got better things in store for us. We need to leave this and turn back to him. And for 40 years, he just keeps asking them and keeps speaking on behalf of God and no one listens, right? No one listens for 40 years. By the world's standards, Jeremiah was massively unsuccessful, right? It's like basically he had one job, which is to communicate the, 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 the will of God to the Israelites, and no one listens to anything he says. He warns them, listen, if we don't stop what we're doing and turn back to God, there's gonna be, the nation's gonna conquer the, our, our, the Israelites, and we're gonna go into exile, and we're gonna be slaves again, just like we were way back in Egypt when Moses showed up so long ago. Like, everything's gonna come full circle. Like, we've got to fix this. And for 40 years, he tries to get people to listen, but they just won't. It's a really, like, got to be an incredibly frustrating place to be for a guy like Jeremiah. Listen in chapter 2, verse 19, what he says. He says, uh, this is him speaking on behalf of God to Israel. He says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord Almighty, Right? And here's the thing, is that every, all the bad stuff that Jeremiah warns Israel is going to happen if they can't turn back to God, it all happens because they don't listen. They're conquered by the Assyrians. They're all exiled. They're ripped out of their homelands, away from their families. People they love are killed. Like everything they knew and understood and were comfortable with changes for them. And now they're slaves again. And you know what? For a guy like Jeremiah, who for 40 years tried to warn them and tell them, he sort of reaps that, 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 same, that same consequence that everybody else did, right? And I gotta believe, you know, there were probably at least a few people in the nation of Israel who did listen to Jeremiah, who did wanna do the right thing by God, who did wanna follow God. 
but everybody just sort of reaps the same consequence because of the majority here. Everybody's sent into slavery, and I, I kind of try to wrap my mind around what that must have been like because it, it had to be hard for a guy like Jeremiah. And there's probably some of us in this room today that would say, you know what, that's, that's kind of, if I'm being honest, like that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Like crossing in to 2017, I kind of feel like I'm in exile. I kind of feel like I'm in this strange place, this foreign land where things aren't familiar and things aren't comfortable and I'm not really sure how I got here or why what's going on in my life is going on. But yeah, it kind of feels that way, right? It kind of feels like I'm in exile. It kind of feels like I'm stuck in this rut that I just can't seem to break out of, right? And if you're feeling that way, listen, you're not alone, right? If we're not there now, we've all been there or we will be there eventually, right? It's a season that kind of happens to all of us from time to time. But here's what I know is true about God, guys. In those moments, when people find, when his people find themselves in exile, that is not God's heart or his plan for us, is it? His heart for his kids is never to be stuck in exile, never to feel like they're not sure what's going on, never to feel like God's not close to them, he doesn't care. And oddly enough, if you read through Jeremiah's story, it's after Israel finds themselves in exile and after they've had chance after chance and opportunity after opportunity to turn back to God and to get it right and to turn back to their first love, it's after that that Jeremiah speaks on behalf of God probably one of the most quoted passages in all of Scripture, certainly the most famous verse in his book, and some of you may already know what it is, is Jeremiah 29, 11. And he speaks this to a people that find themselves in exile at one of the lowest points in their entire life, and he says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, and a future. And so many of us have quoted that verse in our own life. We're like, I know God's got good plans for me. They're awesome plans like they're for a hope and a future, right? That's such, that's such an incredibly hope-filled passage. But we don't always remember the context in which it was written. It was written to people who were just at absolute rock bottom, people who had lost everything. And Jeremiah says, listen, God has something better for you. Plans to give you hope in a future, not plans to harm you, right? Like what's happening right now, this was not, this is not God's plan. This is not his heart for you. This wasn't his desire for you to end up here, right? And he's preaching this basically message of hope to these people in the middle of all this. And I've got to believe that in that moment, like hope feels impossible. You've probably felt this before in your own life where it's just like, man, when we're at that kind of rock bottom moment and things aren't easy, and then someone tells us, hey, you know what? God's in control and it's gonna be awesome. Sometimes we're like, man, that just feels impossible. That feels so far away, right? Like I can't even begin to, to wrap my mind around that or grab onto that right now because it just doesn't feel real. And that's gotta be how, that's gotta be how they felt in that moment too. But Jeremiah continues on, right? In verse 12, which is some really powerful truth about how Israel, and I think about how we can make this a reality in our lives. In verse 12 of chapter 29, he just very simply says this, right after verse 11. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from the place where I carried you into exile. You know what God's saying here? He's saying, guys, you know what? 
I know, I understand that this sucks. I understand that exile is pretty much the worst place you could find yourself, but it's not my heart, it's not my plan for you, and I'm still here, right? That God says, he's, he's making it as clear as he possibly can through Jeremiah, I haven't abandoned you. I haven't turned my back on you. And that's what's awesome about God, right? Because as people, you know, if I'm God and my people for 40 years and I'm trying to get them to turn back and they're just not listening and they're turning their back on me, it'd be pretty easy for me as Andy Broad to be like, hey, forget you guys, right? Like you're on your own, see how that works out for you, right? And God's like, listen, that's not, like I'm not turning my back on you at all. I understand where you're at right now is hard and it's difficult and you don't understand, but you've got to know that I'm here. You've got to know that I care. You've got to know that I've got something better for you, right? He doesn't want his kids to be in exile. He wants his kids to prosper like any good parent, right? But I don't know how many of you guys have kids that seem to have to learn things the hard way, like my kids. Anybody have kids like that, the parents in the room? Like my kids, man, I don't know what it is. They're, they're great kids and I love them and they're usually pretty well behaved, right? But like lately there's been this thing where all I've been trying to do is to keep them from crawling around on top of the dining room table. I don't know why. Like they can't just sit in their seats. Like they gotta be crawling around. They're eating mealtimes. They just wanna like buzz around like cockroach, cockroaches up there, right? Just like, just like can't stay off the dining room table. Everything, any excuse to sit up there, to crawl around up there, that's what they wanna do. And so, you know, as good parents, we're always saying, all right, we don't crawl on the table, right? We don't do that because you could have an accident and fall off and get hurt, right? That's our logic. Five-year-olds and three-year-olds don't really seem to understand that. So this is just our life right now, constantly saying, don't sit on the table because, don't sit on the table because, don't do that because, right? And then just the other day, my oldest on the table, turn around, I tell him to get off and he falls off and lands on his back and hits his back and his head on the floor, right? And you know what? I'm not Jesus. So I totally was like, I told you so. Told you not to do that, right? And he's like crying. I'm like, yeah, that hurts, doesn't it? Like, and it's like in that moment, like he just, he just had to learn. Guess what? He hasn't crawled on the table since. Like he got the other guy, not so much, but he got the message in that moment. Like that, like that pain sort of like made everything click for him. And it was like, man, I never wanted that to happen. I've been trying to keep that from happening to you now for like the last six months. Like, please just listen and do what I'm asking you to do. And you know what's awesome is God's not, like me, right? God doesn't stand there and say, I told you so. Like, he doesn't stand there and say, like, man, you, you deserve that. And I hope, like, I hope you learned your lesson. The God's just like, man, he's, he's a good parent. His heart is, is breaking and is aching when he sees that happen. God has the power to do anything he wants to in our lives. Could God absolutely pluck someone out of exile and make their life better immediately? Yeah, he could. And yeah, he does that sometimes, absolutely. But I think that he wants us to understand our responsibility in this as well, right? And something that we're not always great at as humans is accepting responsibility, is it? Like, it's just, it's just easier sometimes to pass the blame on to someone else, like, in my marriage, like maybe I feel like my marriage just isn't going well, but it's because, it's because my spouse is insensitive, right? It's because they just won't try anymore. Maybe I feel like I'm, I'm stonewalled at work and I can't get ahead, but it's, it's because my boss is a jerk or I can't hold down a relationship with anyone because people are fickle or I can't, I can't make my parents happy because their standards are just too high. And you know what I mean? Like we could sort of go on and on. It's always easier, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. It's always easier to pass the buck and to pass the blame 
onto someone else. And don't hear what I'm not saying today, church, all right? I'm not saying that every bad thing that ever happens to us is a punishment and it's your fault because it's not. We live in a fallen world where bad things definitely happen to good people, but I'm just saying that sometimes being willing to accept a little bit of responsibility for our actions can help us to learn some lessons and help us to know God and understand his heart just a little bit more, a little bit a little bit quicker sometimes, all right? Because here's, here's the thing, all right? At times like this on New Year's Day, like a lot of people are like, man, I'm gonna make some big changes in my life. Like 2017 is gonna be different, right? And we're thinking, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change this, I'm gonna change that. Like maybe I'll get into a, a, a new relationship because this one, I'm just, I'm just done with this one, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a new job. Maybe I'm gonna find a new church because someone said something one time that I didn't like. And it's like, I'm gonna make all these changes to, to, improve, to improve my life, Right? And God, I think many times, is just like, man, like don't, don't fall prey to that like, spirit of entitlement that sometimes creeps in in our lives where we feel like, man, I, I deserve this, so I'm gonna start making all these changes for me, something that, something that I deserve, right? Making a major change in your life doesn't guarantee that your life will actually change. Did you know that? Like making huge changes in life doesn't mean that your life is actually going to change. Maybe some of the changes that we need to make in 2017, maybe God's saying, hey, what if we worked on some stuff internally before we started making changes externally? What if you worked on your heart? Like, I think that's what he's saying to Israel here through Jeremiah, too. It's like, it's not that you, it's, you guys know better, but it's just, you've got to work on your heart. You've got to work on your soul. Make some big internal changes before you make any big external changes and just see if God doesn't show up in your life differently, all right? God's got amazing plans for us, guys. He's got 2017. He wants it to be the best year yet, all right? But that doesn't mean that God's plan for us matches up with our plan for us, right? And I think that's where the rub comes in sometimes because maybe we've got good plans. God's got better plans, but they're different from ours. And that's where some of those unmet expectations and frustrations and entitlement can creep in if we're not careful. But the key, I think, to actually finding that fulfillment and that joy that we all so desperately want, right? Like the reason we make New Year's resolutions in the first place is to improve our quality of life and so we'll feel better. I think the key to that is really finding ourselves at the center of God's plan for our life, of God's will for our life isn't it? And I think that's why you can know people that are going through the absolute ringer. And I know people that had a horrible 2016, but then when I talk to them, they just say, hey, you know what? God is good and I trust him and I can't wait to see what plans he has for me in the future, right? And some of us can look at that and say, how can that person say that after what they went through? That doesn't even make sense, but it's because they trust God. They trust that his plans are greater. They trust that something's in motion and something's stirring that's better than something they don't even have to worry about for themselves. And I think that we find ourselves asking that question. We feel like we're in those moments to say, okay, where, where is God in this? A better question to ask is, is where am I? And how did I get here? And what can I do to make this better? I think there's, I think there's three just really quick application steps that we can take from, from Jeremiah's passages here and just sort of apply them to our own life. The first one is this. These are gonna be quick, I promise. First one is responsibility, right? For us to just say, you know what, where can I accept responsibility in my life, right? If I feel like I need to make a change in my, in my marriage, in my relationship, then maybe instead of working on that big external change, I'm gonna work on my heart. I'm gonna work on myself. Say, how can I be the best husband, the best wife, the best follower of Jesus that I could possibly be, right? If it's at work and we're feeling like we need to make a change there, like maybe we just need to work on becoming 
becoming the most upstanding employee, the best follower of Jesus we can possibly be, if we're tempted to cut corners in our business and do some things that aren't honoring to God, maybe we're just saying we're gonna be the most upstanding, the, the best example of what it looks like to follow Jesus that we can possibly be, making God the center, saying, God, you know, with the plans that I had, they're awesome, and I hope that can become a reality, but God, if you have something better for me, and I don't know what that is yet, then I'm willing to say in 2017, I want to live out your plan, God. I'm not as worried about my plan. I need to live out your plan in my life, the plans you have to prosper me and not to harm me. Accepting responsibility for our own choices is huge because here's the thing. God's got amazing plans for you, but he's not going to force them on you. You get to make that decision if you participate with God and his plan in your life or not. Responsibility. And the second one is this, reconciliation. That for some of us today, with the first part of accepting responsibility in our life and making some big changes, might need that we mean to we need to reconcile with someone, right? We need to ask someone for forgiveness. We need to make some big changes there. And you know what? That stinks, and that is hard, and that is so difficult. But it's so healthy, and it's so good, and it's so Christ-like. And you know what? When I have to ask someone for for forgiveness, it reminds me that I'm not as big of a deal as I think I am sometimes, right? And maybe for you, that's not it at all. Maybe for you, the reconciliation that needs to happen is between you and God himself. That maybe you're saying, man, I find myself, if I'm being honest, just God and I just aren't where we used to be. I don't feel as close. Like maybe I've turned my back on some of the things that God has, has asked me to do and I, I know it and I recognize it. That reconciliation and that healing that needs to happen maybe is between you and God and I guarantee you that will make 2017 the best year you've had in a long time if that's where you find yourself today. And the last one is this responsibility, reconciliation and we're done with this is, is renewal. The last thing that can begin to happen if we're willing to accept responsibility to seek reconciliation where it's needed with God and with the people in our lives that renewal can begin to happen, right? Like whenever I think of, whenever I think of, you know, a spot where reconciliation needs to happen, I think of those, those like you see those nature shows where there's this beautiful forest and it's ravaged by a wildfire and everything that once was so green and so lush is now just scored and it's all ash and it's black and it's, it's charred. But then if you see those cool time-lapse videos like over time, Little shoots begin to sprout up and like God actually allows nature to use that ash and that carbon to grow a healthier ecosystem than maybe ever existed there before. And, and, and it's, our lives are kind of like that, aren't they? Like broken relationships will stay blackened and charred and messed up until someone is willing to reach their hand across the aisle and say, I want to make this better. I want to experience renewal. I want to experience new life. And here's the thing, all right? When it comes to reconciliation and renewal with people, we can only take it so far. We can only offer our hand takes two people, right, to make that work with God. When it comes to reconciliation and renewal with God, he's already standing there. His hand is already out, church. His hand is already extended saying, just come home. I just want more for you. I just want you to come back to me. Like, it's a a sure bet with God every single time. The renewal is there. It's a shoe in The choice, the choice is ours. The choice is on us. God's got huge plans for 2017. I think that 2017 is gonna be the biggest and the best year for our church that we've ever seen. I think the things that God is gonna do are going to blow our minds. But for a lot of us, the personal decision lies with us. Will we be a part of that? Are we willing to engage with God in that? Are we willing to surrender our own plans? 
Are we willing to surrender our own frustrations and unmet expectations to align with God and what he's doing, what he's calling us to? I think that Israel's biggest problem in the Old Testament is that so many times they just lost sight of how good God was and how much he loved them. And they let their unmet expectations sort of creep in and that frustration distract them from the most important thing in their life, from their first love. Let's not let that happen to us, church. Let's not let that be our story for 2017. Let's let our story be that we trusted a God that was so good, that we were able to trust him even in exile, that we were able to see him deliver us from exile, that we were able to see new growth and new life happen, like that we were able to turn around and thank God for the exile and the difficult thing that happened because while the enemy intended to destroy us and to kill us, God actually turned around and used it to make us stronger in him and to breathe new life through us. That needs to be our story for 2017, church. Will you pray with me today? God, we say today, Father, that you are so good and we love you. God, Father, I pray for deliverance from exile today for anyone who finds themselves there. God, I pray that they would just be willing to turn to you, God, to reach their hand out. Father, we thank you that you are so willing to reconcile us, God, that when we take responsibility, the, the renewal that you have waiting for us, God, would just blow our mind if we would just open ourselves to it. God, would that be our story in 2017? Would that be the story for King's Church this year, Father? Would our hearts be so in tune with yours, God? that we just couldn't tell, help but tell people about the incredible story that you're writing in us and through us. God, we love you and we say that you are good and we trust you, God, with every area of our life. And we ask it in your incredible name. Amen. Amen.